Hi everybody, it's Linda Kay. I am a learning and board certified cognitive specialist and I also happen to have a nonverbal learning disorder as well as ADHD. And you're probably wondering, why is she wearing this hat? Well, I wanted to get your attention today. Um, and I'm wearing a hat, a fire hat, because I have a question for you. No matter what age that your child is, I want you to ask yourself a question. Am I solving all my child's problems for him or her? Am I making their problems my problems? Am I practicing firefighting instead of fire prevention? Firefighting is putting out the fires as they happen in the moment. And many, many parents are into this vicious cycle and it doesn't start out that way. It starts out because you have empathy for your child and you feel bad for your child. You see how hard things are for them, especially with a nonverbal learning disorder, um, as well as other learning disabilities. Um, you just see the struggle and you wanna make the pain go away. You know, you're a parent and you feel that it's your job to protect your child. Of course it's your job to protect your child. And especially with a nonverbal learning disorder, you do have to keep an extra eye on them because they're easily led and gullible, most of them, and naive and can fall to prey to others who will take advantage of them and may even have them do illegal things and they may not realize it because they want a friend so bad and they want to fit in. But you cannot be a firefighter. You cannot make their problems your problems. You have to get in the mindset of being a coach. You have to guide them, be a mentor and a teacher. Here's what happens and I see this every day. I've been doing this for over 25 years and I see this every single day. And I just saw Temple Grandin uh, earlier in the week and just confirmed what I'm saying. And what she's saying is, your children need to learn to be independent no matter of what their disability is. You want them to grow up and to be independent, competent adults. Um, you need to make them start doing things so that they can learn. When you do things for them, they are getting the message by your behavior that they're not capable. And it's getting into a learned helplessness state. Learned helplessness, let's think about that. I'm gonna give you a couple examples. One is, I don't. some of you may have heard of this. Um, a frog dies in boiling water, doesn't jump out to save himself or herself. The frog just, why doesn't the frog jump out? Frogs are really good at jumping, right? They can jump out and get out of the boiling water, but they die because the water starts out cool and the temperature is gradually turned up to warm. Frog gets used to it, a little warmer, a little warmer, a little warmer, frog's used to it. Then it gets turned up to hot and it's boiling. By that time, the frog is so used to this that it just dies, it doesn't know how to save itself. Okay, and that's kind of the same thing. You're teaching kids that, you know what, I'm not, I'm not gonna do anything and this can, this, can even turn into behavior problems, which can look like oppositional defiant behavior, um, where they're just learning that, you know, I don't really have to do this because mom or dad's gonna do it for me. And it just turns into like this damaging cycle for your child and yourself. You don't even realize you're doing it after a while. You're solving all the problems, doing things for them, and it's just second nature to you. It's, it's kind of like you don't know any better. It just becomes a habit, like getting up in the morning and brushing your teeth or driving somewhere. You don't think about driving, you just do it. 
your child begins to expect and may even feel entitled of things being done for him or her and not having to work. Yes, things are going to be harder with a nonverbal learning disorder, ADHD. I get that. I've had to work extra hard my whole life and I had no parental support because back in the day, nobody really knew anything about this. But I had the perseverance and I had the drive and part of that is because my parents didn't do things for me. Um, I was either going to sink or swim and I can tell you, you don't want to do that with your kid because I got into a lot of situations that were not good for me in my younger years, in my early teen years, in my early 20s, you know, with those that have neurodiversities and that's those who think and do things differently, don't mature at the same rate as everybody else. So you don't want to go that route. You want to teach problem solving and coaching. You don't want to put the fires out for them. You want your child to think, and that's your job. Don't get into that trap and start feeling guilty because it's really easy to do. It's not that you're doing it on purpose, okay? But you want to push your child. You want to expect your child to do things. One of the parents I work with brought to my attention that Ray Charles, which I did not know, had um, a mother who pushed him into doing things because he was blind and she knew that she wasn't gonna be there forever and she pushed him. Look at Helen Keller. Helen Keller would have been in an institution, okay? She just looked like she was completely unteachable um, with her behaviors, acting out. She was pushed. She was pushed by Ann Sullivan. Her parents had the foresight and the knowledge to say, we have to push her. And look what became of her. She wound up writing books, okay? Someone with a severe um, disability. Now, this isn't to say that everybody's going to have that potential. But um, people that uh, have invisible disabilities that are highly verbal or very knowledgeable um, in certain areas come across as if um, they may not need help. Sometimes you notice it, sometimes you don't. And sometimes you may have parents that are divided. One may think... There's nothing wrong with my kid. In my day, I just wouldn't need, you know, a good beating or something. And, uh, and the other parent can be like, they totally understand all these invisible disabilities. And someone else might think, well, the kid's entitled or spoiled. Definitely not true because they're invisible disabilities when you have neurodiversity. But they're definitely not character defects, that's for sure. But you can't shelter them. You have to walk that fine line of being protector so they're not taken advantage of, but being a teacher as well. So you can feel bad, go in your room and cry, go for a walk, do what you have to do, but don't lower your expectations or your child is gonna be on your couch at 40 years old and I get calls like that. And these are children of all ages that can do more. Look at um, Einstein, kicked out of school. His mother worked with him, okay? If she didn't have any expectations, would we have the theory of relativity? Look at Edison, okay? We've all heard these examples. Um, he kept trying and trying and trying and trying and trying, and he made a lot of mistakes, and you have to let your kids make mistakes, and you have to let them fail. You cannot insulate them of that. And, you know, back when I was growing up, or parents that are my age, we understood more of that because that's more of how we were raised. But today, younger parents are not raising their children like that. Um, that you have to do for yourself and you have to learn and you have to find a way. That doesn't mean that you don't help them. That doesn't mean that you don't put them in situations that 
they are going to be beyond their control. Okay, yes, they can fail, but they will learn from it. Not in all situations, not to be, no pun intended, because I have a nonverbal learning disorder. I'm not saying black and white, black and white across the board. Okay, but things are going to be harder and you can have empathy with guidance and mentorship and consequences. Don't be afraid to have a consequence for behavior. Um, so let me ask you something. If you, if I was going to come to your house and clean your house and do your dirty dishes, would you let me? Probably. I would let somebody, right? Your child's going to do what he or she can do to get their way. They're learning to be manipulative, not because they have oppositional behaviors, not because they're bad kids, because they have neurodiversities. They process information differently. They learn differently. They think differently. And it's hard to be in a world where that is not the norm, where they are in the minority. So they can become very manipulative or they can act very helpless. And I'm going to give you some examples. No, by no fault of their own. And you cannot fall for this. You cannot get into negotiating for them to get their way. Oh, and I'm going to give you examples because I deal with this every day. So this is the biggest thing you can do at the earliest age for your child. Our personalities are formed by the time we are eight. That means it's going to be really hard to do this afterwards. Okay, if you raise your child and they never eat sugar, they're not going to know anything about sugar, obviously, if they go to a birthday party or something, but it's not the norm to them. Okay, if you, if your child or you were taught the ABCs backwards as a kid, and nobody told you they were backwards before you went to school and you knew them or you got to school and you learned them, whatever. It would be a big shock when you learned that they weren't backwards. Okay, so that's my point is that you need to get them while they're young, while you have control and you can shape and mold their behavior. Because once they're a teenager and they're an adult, it's going to be really, really difficult. Not, undo, not that you can't do it, but it's going to be really difficult. I'm going to tell you right now, it's easy to give in and you are exhausted. I know you're exhausted. I know you're working all day and you just want to come home and have peace. And you have a kid there at whatever age that you have to deal with that is neurodiverse. And it's really hard. It's really, really hard. You're tired. You may have your own neurodiversities. But I will tell you, you have to find a way whatever you have to do. And it can be a very hard way and a lonely way because you may have friends and family that don't understand you. They may think that you indulge your child um, when you, and I'm not talking about doing for them like we've just been talking about, but I'm talking about teaching them things and being there with scaffolding and support. Again, it's a fine line between scaffolding and support and completely teaching learned helplessness like the frog example. Okay, you have to find other parents that you can talk to. Um, so that you are not alone and that you have support because that otherwise you're not going to get it. Um, even though we're becoming more aware today, you have to have a support system. So the easiest thing to do is to come home and give in the moment. And again, we're, we're not really talking behavior management. I can talk about that. There's so many topics that are interrelated with neurodiversities and one leads to the other and the other, but I don't want to get off the topic. I'm going to try to stay on the topic because I'm ADHD anyway, and we're known to get off the topic. But 
it's a it's gonna sound like a little bit of behavior management and we are gonna talk about that and you know in my upcoming videos I'm getting um, emails from a lot of you messages that are asking me to talk about things um, and I'm gonna tell you that one of the reasons why I became successful was because I did not have anybody I didn't even have basically any scaffolding and that's not to bash my parents my parents are in their late 90s now whole different world back then okay and I was a oops baby so um, but I had to learn to do for myself or I was more afraid of being a nothing. I had to be a something. And I failed many, many, many times and I was devastated and I had a lot of depression, um, but I had the drive. And so, and part of that is because my parents, they weren't able to uh, just indulge me. I mean, it was, that was that time period. We had a lot more freedom we didn't have hovering parents, so we learned. We learned how to do on our own. Um, geez, I sound so old. So, um, but so you have to um, you have to teach resilience. And so, back to what I was saying, as you come home and you're tired, it's very easy to give in. Very, very easy. If your kid doesn't want to eat what you're making for dinner, now I know there's kids that have sensitivities to food. I'm not talking about that, and even that can be worked around. Don't just make them, don't, don't make a different meal for every person in the family. What are you teaching them? You're teaching them that I'm going to get what I want and the world's going to work this way. There are no IEPs and 504 plans in the real world. I'm not saying don't advocate because we need advocating and we need to, um, you know, have schools work with us. But we're not going to get that in the real world. And we are certainly not going to get, I know this is wishful thinking, that when we get a job that, you know, we're going to have all these wonderful coworkers help us and our boss. I'm not saying that that's not the case. There's many places that you can find to work and people will help you um, with your neurodiversities if you find the right job and you build off your strengths. And that's another thing you have to build off your child's special interests. But more often than not, when you have an invisible disability, you're not going to get any empathy. You're not going to get any understanding because the, the work world is a cutthroat place. Okay, and everybody wants to get ahead. So you're at a disadvantage. If you go down, and that's a whole other video again, to the human services and you disclose, that's a really big topic and it can be dangerous to do that. As much as we have the law on our side, it doesn't mean that it's there for us um, in actuality. Um, and if they really wanna get rid of you, they'll find another way. My point is not to scare you about the job force. There's many ways to work around that and to focus on your strengths and to find mentors, but more often than not, you're not it's not a perfect world. You have to teach your children to be resilient. There are no 504s and IEP plans in the real world. Um, but that doesn't mean that they're not gonna be successful either. So um, me getting myself back on topic is, um, again, the kids are trying to get you to do things for them and they start manipulating with you and negotiating with you. It's not a negotiation. I mean, you are in charge. You are gonna have empathy. You are gonna have structure and you're gonna be kind, but you're also gonna push and you're not gonna allow them to, to not do things that they can learn to do for themselves. Yeah, I know it's, it's, it's easy to give in, but I, I wanna tell you, you're gonna pay now or you're gonna pay later. If you pay now, and you're tired and you come home from work or whatever and you don't give in okay and you don't turn it into arguing and yelling either you're just very calm and you just say it once and you walk away 
um, that this is what's going to be done, um, they're going to be successful as an adult. But if you give in, because it's so easy to give in in the moment, it's really, really easy. You just want peace and quiet. Um, then it's going to be down the road, you're going to have bigger problems. You're going to have an adult body with a younger child in there, not being able to be independent. You're going to have bigger problems, a lot bigger problems. You're going to be spending a lot more money. You are not going to have an independent person. So you really need to do this job now. You need to let yourself feel uncomfortable and not feel like you're a bad mom or dad. Okay. Remember, we don't want to fight fires. We want to do fire prevention. And that's what I'm going to talk about. So you need to keep that in your the forefront of your mind all the time. Because you're not a bad parent if you ex have expectations. Let yourself feel uncomfortable. You're going to feel guilty. You're going to feel like shit, probably. You know, oh, I'm not helping him. He, you know, you know, the, he's not going to starve if he doesn't like what you're having for dinner. Okay? There's no reason that, um, you know, not everybody. Everybody has different, you know, so obviously somebody who's really severe, you know, with disabilities, depending on what it is, is not going to be able to maybe make themselves a sandwich. I'm talking about the kids that I see that um, are more, for lack of a better word, high-functioning, and I don't like to say that, but, um, you know, high-functioning isn't really high-functioning either. We may say high-functioning, but there's still a lot of struggle, okay? I'm high-functioning, but that doesn't mean that there aren't any struggles and that, in, that um, when it's invisible, things look easy. Yes, I am now, but when I was younger, I went through a lot to get to this point. So you're going to feel guilty. Your kid can make a sandwich. Your kid is not going to starve, okay? You don't need to um, do everything for them. They can do their laundry. Um, they can do certain things. You can instill this in them at a young age. Remember, we're not going for, hi, Cousin Denise. We are not going for it. We're talking about we're not going to put fires out for our kids and solve all their problems. Although it's easier in the moment, we're going to fight fire prevention instead of firefighting. And so the biggest mistake you can make is to do things for your child and not let them fail and learn. I know you want to protect them. So let me give you some examples. Um, so you don't have big kids, uh, you know, kids in adult bodies that are not independent. And that's what we want to avoid. Uh, I myself was one of those kids that I had to learn the hard way. So you, um, like I said, you don't want your kid at home sitting on your couch at 40. We talked about Helen Keller. We talked about Ray Charles. We talked about Edison. We talked about Edison a little bit. He, every time he failed, we would never have electricity. Every time he failed, he said, I didn't fail. I learned another way not to do it. He was an independent thinker. We need to teach problem solving and thinking. So rather than telling your child what to do and saying the same thing over and over and over, let them, got, thanks, Cousins and let them teach them the problem solve. Say, well, how can you achieve what you want to achieve? How can you try another way? Try another way are like my three favorite words. Try another way. Because have them experiment and say, try it. See what happens. What do you think? Do you like the result you got? Um, it doesn't mean you don't help them problem solve. It just means you don't do for them and you don't give them the answers all the time. 
Um, sometimes you have to give them the answers. Again, it's not always black and white. It depends on the situation. But you wanna take off your fire hat and you wanna put on your coaching hat. I don't have a coaching hat, but that's what you wanna do. So um, find what they're good at and build their strengths. When I saw Temple Grandin this week, she highlighted that as well, and it was a really good message. My area of interest is helping kids and parents. Like, that's my whole life. That's my mission. Your child, some kids like Pokemon cards. Maybe you can take that and expand that. Um, I've had a lot of kids have interest in, it could be anything. Um, and that's their very narrow area. We'll take it and expand on it. If, it. if it happens to be Pokemon cards, which aren't that big today, I'm just, my mind's going blank. Um, think about, well, how are they printed? Where do they come from? Who makes them? In fact, the, the guy who does who made them is on the spectrum, and he's a billionaire now, okay? So it's finding those strengths. It's developing them and building them up. Okay, how do you make them? Do you have to draw? What do you need to do? If your child has, um, with NVLD, we don't usually have good visual spatial skills. I can't draw, okay? But there's something else that your child can do. I, and it may take longer. It might not become evident until they're a teenager. I myself had tried so many things and I just thought I couldn't do anything right um, when I was in, when I was younger that I did not have like a natural affinity or skill that was apparent um, at that time. So you can say to your kids, look, I know you're scared. I'm going to give you an example. I have very poor motor skills, visual spatial skills. I was scared of the ball. I hated gym. I was one of the kids that hated gym. And my mom made me go and play softball. Now, she made me go, which was a good thing, but the good but there was no support in making me go, and that's what I'm talking about. Don't just force them to go. Give them the tools when they go. Okay? So this is what happened to me. My mom would drop me off. Nobody knew I had a learning disability or nonverbal learning disorder and I had poor visual spatial skills. Nobody knew anything then. And I would just go and hide. I, I would just go hide in the outfield and the ball would come and I'd stare at it because I couldn't catch the ball because I wasn't coordinated. I didn't even know the rules of the game. I didn't understand it. And, and nobody would talk to me. Nobody wanted me on their team. And I basically had no friends. So, um, a better, so what happened is my mom would start dropping me off and I'd start not going and I'd, I'd just like cut the whole thing. I don't even think my mom knows this till today. I'm going to have to tell her. And... Now, how would you handle that without just throwing your kid into there without and just say you have to go enforcing them? You're going to have empathy and you're going to say, what is it that you don't like about it? You're going to ask a lot of questions. You're going to get them thinking and using their brain and problem solving. What is it? You know, and, and your kid will tell you, um, well, I don't have any friends or, you know, and, and you really have to be like a detective. You have to ask a lot of questions to get it out of them because they may not know exactly either. Had I had that support, what could, now this is okay and this is not a helicopter parent. If this happened today, it would be appropriate for an parent to talk to the coach behind the scenes and say, my child has a nonverbal learning disorder. Nobody even knows what that is today. Basically, we're starting to find more and more. That means that he or she does not know where his body is in space. That means that they are not coordinated. That means that catching a ball is going to be very difficult. That means that directing their self and they have executive functioning problems, 
but I want my child to be social. I want my child to have friends. I don't want everybody to look at my kid like we don't want them on our, on our team. What can we do that my child can be successful? Okay, talk to that person, work it out ahead of time, give them another job to do. Maybe it's, I don't, I don't know, um, getting everybody water. Maybe it's getting the supplies together. It doesn't have to be playing the game. It can be other parts of the game, okay? It can be supporting the team, okay? Then you work that out with the coach. Then you talk to your child, and you don't let them think that you solved this whole problem for them because they're going to have to learn how to speak up on the job, in college. A lot of kids in college do not know how to ask for the help that they are entitled to, and they do not show up for the help they are entitled to because in college... They may be an 18-year-old, but they may be a 12-year-old emotionally, socially. With NVLD on the spectrum, ADHD, we mature much slower. So you're going to coach your child, and you're going to role play, and you're going to videotape it, and you're going to teach them about eye contact and body language, and you're going to practice that. And then they're going to go to the coach quietly when no one's around, and they're going to say, you know what? I have a nonverbal learning disorder. I know you probably don't know what that is. And, and they can do this if they're 10. They don't have to say it the way I'm saying it. Could I do something else that I could do? Maybe you have another job for me. I'm not so good at this, but you know what? I'm good at a lot of other things. I could do this. You know, I could, I could manage the equipment. You know, I, you know, I could get all the gloves together or whatever. That's teaching them. That's not sheltering them that's not pushing them out without a tool and that's not letting them just not go and show up because they're scared and because it's easier for you and you feel sorry for them oh i can't put them in that situation because you you're a parent you're supposed to protect them right so it's a lot a lot a lot a lot of problem solving i had another girl like 12 years old um and she learned how to get her needs met um, because things were hard for her. And, you know, we all learn how to manipulate to get what we want. And unfortunately, um, she learned that acting like a younger child, almost like with a baby voice, tone of voice, that she could get what she wanted because her parents felt bad for her. They felt so bad for her because when they looked at her neuropsych and they saw the discrepancies between her verbal IQ, which was off the charts, and her reading and her performance IQ, which was lower. They don't diagnose NVLD like that anymore. But, you know, you get the idea that they felt really, really, really bad. And they thought, oh, we can't expect, expect, you know, we don't want her to, and you know, because you do get anxiety and depression, and they didn't want to increase her anxiety. Because anxiety, you know, some kids are on medication for OCD, anxiety, because when you have a nonverbal learning disorder or invisible disabilities, ADHD, the anxiety is really high. But they didn't give her the tools. So what she would do was she would kind of whine. Oh, mom. Mm. And, you know, and it worked. It worked. And, you know, so now there's a consequence. No, we're going to talk in a 12-year-old, I'm sorry, 13-year-old voice. What's a 13-year-old voice sound like? And we practice that and we recorded it. What's an eight-year-old voice sound like? Now this is the voice we expect. So if we don't get this voice, there's gonna be a consequence, okay? And that's behavior management, consequences, rules, rewards, chaining, shaping behavior is a whole nother topic. 
But that's having expectations and that's giving boundaries and that's also teaching a skill because you practice the skill, you recorded it, you, you played it out. We don't want learned helplessness. Another example of learned helplessness is when you think of elephants. Elephants, um, when they're not out in the wild and they're, you know, they are like for circuses, they have chains on them. So they'll have a big metal post in the ground and they'll have like a shackle and a chain that goes to the elephants you know, one of the, one of his legs on the, around the ankle. And they, be, they that's a learned behavior because that elephant, of course, wouldn't you stop trying if whatever you did didn't work? I mean, you know, and rightly so, the kids do get learned helplessness because they're trying and trying and trying and they pretty soon they learn, well, you know what, it's not helping anyway. And a lot of times they're right if they don't get the right kind of help. You got to go back to my what's the right kind of help video. And that's improving cognitive processing skills. That's not just strategies. But let's stay on this with my ADHD brain. And um, so they, they, they did some kind of study and um, they took the shackles off. They took the post off. They put a stick in the ground, like a twig, put it in the ground, tied like a piece of little kind of rope that any elephant can pull away, put the rope, put it around the elephant's ankle. The elephant never tried to get away, never, because it was learned helplessness, because they had learned how to respond and had given up trying. We don't want learned helplessness, okay? We don't want to instill that in our kids, okay? We need to have them do for themselves, and they can do a lot more than a lot of parents are expecting of them. Um, so another thing is kids have too many things today. Um, they need to learn that, you know, there's expectations. Do not lower your expectations and have them earn things. Um, so... I want you to think of some fire prevention rules now. We talked about firefighting and that's giving in to make things easier in the moment. I'm just gonna cook him what he wants because I'm too tired. I'm not gonna argue about this. If you don't wanna go and to baseball practice, then you don't go. I gave you the whole example about troubleshooting that. You just wanna give in in the moment. Like I said, I get a lot of people that are old, they're sending kids to college, thousands and thousands of dollars and they're not ready, or other situations. So um, let's say that you wanna do fire prevention. What's fire prevention? Don't put a heater or something flammable next to the gas stove in the kitchen, okay? So you know what the problems are. You know what your kid's gonna do and, and what they're not gonna wanna do. You know it before it even starts. What's another uh, fire prevention thing? Stop, drop, and roll, right? Stop, we all learned that. Stop, drop, and roll. Um, don't open a door in a fire. If it's hot, you, you need to touch it, right? These are, th this is fire prevention. I want you to get in the mind of problem solving, thinking ahead of time. What are you gonna do in the moment when it's tough and it's easy to give in, okay? You have to practice this. You have to prepare for it. When kids have fire drills, they have fire drills for a reason or you may have them in your house. What do you do if there's a fire? How do you get out? What's the exit? You need to plan ahead. You need to plan ahead for changes. You need to have structure, okay? You need to tell them if you know that surprises are scary and changes are hard, then you need to practice fire prevention. You need to tell them ahead of time. This is what's gonna happen today after school or you know, in 10 minutes, I'm gonna call you to the dinner table or whatever it is. And these are a lot of more things that I can help you with down the road. If they have a hard time getting dressed in the morning, some kids don't know what goes together and they, they look a mess when they go to school or their hair is a mess. 
or they didn't brush their teeth, then you're not going to argue about it. You're going to have a plan set in place already. You're going to fire prevent that, okay? If they don't know what to wear, you're not going to get their clothes out for them the night before and put it together. No, you're going to go, you're going to teach them what goes with what. What out, what shirt can you wear with what pants? You can take pictures of it. You can ask your kid to become the problem solver and ask them. They're techie. Let them figure out a way with pictures with their clothes on their phone, whatever it is. Let them buy into the process and learn how to be prevent fires. Let them learn how to problem solve and help them to find their own way so they can be successful. As I said in the beginning, I'm Linda Kay. I'm a board certified and cognitive learning specialist. I have been helping kids and adults for over 25 years. I have a nonverbal learning disorder. I have ADHD. Um, I can help you. Uh, you can go to my website, www.advantageslearningcenter.com. That's a, the word. Advantages with two Ds because there are advantages to everything. That's advantageslearningcenter.com with two Ds. You can call me at 856 745 2141. If you go to my website, you'll see a lot of things that I do and a lot of the services that I do to help people. Um, you can subscribe, um, you can like and follow me on Facebook. Go to YouTube, I'm going to put this up there and I'll put a link. Go there and subscribe to my YouTube channel and make sure that you, when you subscribe, you click the little button and um, it'll, it looks like a little bell and you'll get notifications um, of when these videos go so that you can watch them. So I hope that this was helpful to you. And of course, I can't cover everything or every situation, so I have to kind of be general. But um, let me know if this helped. Give me a call, 856-745-2141, if you were looking for help for yourself or your child to become independent for success in school and life and socially. And I will talk to you on the next video. And I love hearing from all you guys on Messenger. Um, so let me know what you think of it. Let me know about your questions and I will see you later and have a great Saturday. Bye for now.